1: from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. I'm Erica White, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: And welcome to the food scene on Heritage Radio Network.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkell, here today with Adam Rubin and Daniel Salmeri of Robo Sauce, also known for Dragons Love Tacos. Thanks for having us. Secret Pizza Party. You don't even understand the response that I got from. Fathers with young children. When I posted that, you two would be on the show. You guys are like superstars in that realm. Do you know that? Do you get stopped on the street by two to four-year-olds? and Never. No? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's probably better thing. But yeah. but those parents are just emphatic over what you do. That's really um, nice. L- let's tell people what you do. You two are, are, are collaborators, are a team. I I don't like separating the idea of author and illustrator when you guys, I feel like, so intricately work together on these amazing picture books for kids. Um, the first one that I fell upon was actually the squirrel one, the, the trilogy of angry squirrels. <laughs> but l- let's go back to your childhood and talk about you know what books you used to read, um, and what drew you towards this genre of literature?
1: Sure, yeah. Um, so uh, growing up, I was a, I always loved children's books. I loved having picture books read to me, and um, some of my favorites growing up were uh, the original Shrek by William Steig. I um, mean, it uh, wasn't Dr. just DeSoto. a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Peter Cease, and then um, later on, a big shift for me happened when um, The Stinky Cheese Man by John Sheska and Lane Smith came out and kind of blew my mind and uh, changed my idea of what um, a picture book could be. Yeah, I remember I remember reading that. I think we were kind of old for picture books at the time. Yeah, <laughs> it was like we were in fourth or
3: fifth grade, I think. Was it? Yeah. I remember getting it at the Scholastic Book Fair, and I just... I couldn't believe how subversive it felt. It felt like you were in on something with these guys, and they made this book that was secret in a way.
2: Like, you should be reading that book within the pages of a Dr. Seuss, like that is your playboy (laughs) Mm -hmm. at that time. (laughs) But I mean, that book too um, was show genre bending, um, as far as being this kind of nuanced and very dark fairy tale.
3: Yeah, there was so many, on, in so many ways it was different from what I had seen before because, first of all, it was a little like gross at yeah. times. It was sort of like, dark and disgusting in a way. And then also, it kind of made fun of books. It was a book that sort of poked fun at being a book from messing around with the table of contents to right. even the UPC code on the back. I remember they were just playing
1: with the whole form, which was... And that's something that Adam's really into... Um, in books now, right?
3: Yeah. Well, I think it's it's so rare to, to be able to create an object, an artifact that people will, will keep and will treasure. And it's not something that just gets thrown away, hopefully, if we do our jobs right. There is a physical experience. There's this kinesthetic quality to a picture book that you don't, you don't always get with every book. I mean, maybe cookbooks, you keep a, a, a physical copy around. But I mean, even for me, a lot of books, if they're over 500 pages, I'm, I'm reading them on my Kindle. I like to keep the physical copies of books. (laughs) (laughs) I don't find I remember it as well, even, when I read a big book on a
1: Kindle. Wait, you find you you remember it better on a Kindle? No, on a regular book.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that has to do with the visuals as well. And that's where, you know, these children's books and cookbooks, I feel, are pretty akin. That, you know, the majority of people are drawn towards that photo or that illustration first. And that helps as some kind of uh, iconography to remember what the story is about or what the recipe is. For
3: sure. And there's a kind of a ritual associated with those books where with a cookbook, you might bring it into the kitchen or sit down and make your grocery list. With a picture book, a lot of kids have the shelf. They get to pick whatever books they want to read that night. They run to the bed and they're read to them. And it's this bonding experience between the parents and the kid. And so we really want to make sure we respect that artifact, that physical object, because it's not just the words printed on the page, it's the cover and it's the back and it's the end papers, and it's this whole tactile
1: process of, yeah. of sharing the book with the kid That's why they haven't uh, it hasn't really um, caught on as a big part of the market, I don't think as the um, ebook for picture books. People ask me about that. I just haven't really heard very much about it. I don't feel like people are that into it yet because it doesn't have that physical quality of it, and they haven't figured out. A way to make swiping on an iPad in, as interesting and involving as a as a big um, actual book.
2: Yeah, I mean, let's talk about the interactivity because Dan, you went to school for illustration. Were you trying to kind of break outside of those industry standards that you have to write within this or draw within this square, or have to have illustrations look a specific way to pair with specific
1: work? Um. No, not really. I think um, for me, I just wanted to make um, weird looking pictures and um, <laughs> when I was in school it um, I took one uh, children's book illustration class that um, I realized that my drawing style could translate really well, and my humor um, and ability to like get into the emotional state of the characters that's kind of you know how I always try to make my characters really feel and look like they're experiencing whatever they are. So that lent itself well. Um, and just basically I was, gra- I gravitated towards, uh, weirder looking, uh, books like, um, John Shuskin, Lane Smith's books. Um, there's this weird book called the story of frog belly, rat bone that was out when I was in college. Um, Timothy Basil airing, I think his name is, um, I just loved all the, I liked as weird and creepy as possible you could get by with um, when I was in school uh, for a picture book. So that's what I geared towards. I mean, do we call graphic
2: novels picture books? I was a big drawn and quarterly. I still am a big yeah, drawn yeah. and quarterly fan. And I felt like going into that genre in college that, that you know, people were reading novels or, you know historical nonfiction and i was still stuck in this picture book thing <laughs> um do you read a lot of graphic novels and if so which ones
1: um i i actually don't read a ton um but right now i'm uh i'm well i've always been a, a big fan of jesse Moynihan. um his his uh comic forming he's made uh two actual books out of it but they they were a uh, web comic that he would publish i think it was like weekly he would put up a page um, and it's just this crazy, trippy um, kind of creation myth that he's created. Um, but I'm not. A, I'm not a big graphic novel buff. Other otherwise, I like. I, I I don't read a
3: ton of them, but I do. I have some friends that are that are into them, and they'll. They know I like the funny ones more. So I've read a lot of Matt Fraction. I think Sex Criminals is great. Yeah. And the Hawkeye series he did was really fun. And for me, more. As far as, like, is a graphic novel a picture book, I don't know. I feel like there's certain genres within these books that have illustrations. There's a lot of different flavors. But I grew up reading mostly cartoons, like Farside, Calvin and Hobbes. That was huge for me. There was, right. a, there was a time in my life where you could describe the image from the Farside cartoon, and I could tell you what the caption was. I mean I had I just poured through those anthologies and that that really influenced my sense of humor in a big way. And I think it it really sparked an interest of, of, in science for me too. Yeah. Because he was such he was on that bent so much.
2: You know what I think is interesting about kind of bringing the Far Side in Calvin and Hobbes is the amount of, again of of fathers with young children that contacted me when you were on the show and said oh, I can't believe it! it's my daughter's favorite book. But, you know, secretly, they, they don't always love admitting this. It's kind of their favorite book, too, because there are aspects of that humor and that intelligence within what you guys do now. Um, talk about that kind of felicitous meeting when you two were kind of paired up and what that brainstorming looked like to eventually publish those darn squirrels.
3: Man, well, that was it was a long time ago now.
1: Yeah. It was like 2006. Yep, 2006. Um, a friend that I grew up with, Corey. Shout out, Corey Mintz. <laughs> <laughs> NewYorkPizzaProject.com. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he went to college with Adam, and it was, I was in my senior year. And I got an email from Adam. Um, or maybe it was from Corey. But he put us together, and we showed each other our work. And immediately, just uh, I just thought Adam was really funny. And uh, I, I was blown away because I couldn't believe this
3: dude had just graduated from school. He sent me all these illustrations and they seemed like finished books. They, feel, they felt like there was such a strong sensibility there. And I had stop. never, <laughs> go on, <Yeah. laughs> and I, I had never considered in any real serious way writing a picture book for kids. I was in advertising at the time. I was writing Happy Meal commercials at Leo Burnett. That was the first four years of my career. And I was writing sketch comedy at the Annoyance Theater in Chicago. So when I saw Dan's pictures, I basically thought, I have got to collaborate with this guy. It's just, it hit me right, right in the brain of, this is what I, if I want to make something, I want it to look like this. And so we started talking about some ideas for stories. And I had kind of in the back of my mind the the inspiration for a story, which was that my dad had such trouble with the squirrels stealing from his bird feeders when he was, when I was a kid. So that was that was the impetus for the whole story, and I, and I wrote it out as best I could. I sent it to Dan, and he took it from there pretty much. Yeah.
2: You know what I love about that story is that you know you talk about your ad agency work and uh, your improv, and I think it really has to do with attention span too, because you're writing for a demographic. I, I, do you even call children that young a demographic? Um, <laughs> but you're writing for, you know, an age group where the attention span is not that long. So you have to deliver this message um,
3: in an instant. You know, we always talk about, people ask us all the time, how do you know what kids are going to like or what age is your book for? Yeah. And the truth is we don't know what kids like. Neither of us has kids. Neither of us really spends that much time around kids. We pretty much write what we like and then hope for the best. Because unlike, let's say, a a middle grade novel, or even like some sort of beefy historical nonfiction work, there's not really a specific demographic, as you put it, for a picture book. Because people read them to babies. Two, three-year-olds kind of memorize them and sound it out. Four, five-year-olds maybe sit with their parents and actually learn to read from these things. And then older kids enjoy it as well. And then you skip all this age to go to parents. And the parents are really the ones that decide which books their kids like. As much as they, they, they hate to admit it, if they love a book and they read it to the kid with a bunch of enthusiasm and it's obvious that they're enjoying it, the kid's more likely to enjoy it.
2: Yeah, I don't hear many people bemoan like, oh, I have to read Dragon's Love Tacos again. Really? No, no. You, you, oh, you, you hear this from your friends and family?
3: No, I, I. we're a little like, we have a little bit of a sadistic streak in that I think we like the... The negative reviews more than the positive reviews? I don't know if I like them, they're just more
1: interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, I think, what have people said? I mean, I, I want to know what these... Well, uh, Our biggest thing for dragons is that um, the number one uh, most popular rev- negative review on Amazon says that, uh, we use the word hate over, I think it says over 20 times in the book, over 30 times. Um, and it's I think it's literally exactly three times. Um And, you know, that's kind of something leaving that word in and and not dumbing things down, I think, is kind of important to us because, you know, kids do feel strong emotions. They do feel hate and they connect with that. It's not I mean, the dragons hate spicy salsa. It's just they do. They don't just dislike it. Right. Um, I've heard all sorts of funny things on that. People will
3: cross it out. They say, we don't use that word. I don't want my kids to know that word. That's that's a nice sentiment, I guess, if you don't want your kids to ever learn the word hate, though it may be a blissfully ignorant place to live. Some people replace it with the word loathe, which is confusing to me because it, what's the difference between loathing and hating? But most of the time, we don't really respond when people get all up in the arms. I mean, on a similar on a similar tip, somebody was mad we didn't include vegetarian tacos in the book, and that was a real big issue for them. And everybody is entitled to their opinion, and, and not every book is for everyone, but Recently, I got an, a personal email from a grandfather that was asking me, he was considering whether to read the book for his, to his grandson or not, and the word hate really gave him pause, and he asked why I included it in the book, and I, basically what I said is that kids are going to learn about hate in the world. Isn't it better that they learn about it in the context of a mythical creature hating a, 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 an inanimate object? Rather than all the crazy and violent ways
1: that people twist the word. And then you have the opportunity to have that discussion with them right there. As opposed to, you know, coming up in some other way. And then they know that it's the
3: people that are doing these horrible things, not this four-letter word.
2: And truthfully, we all know dragons do hate spicy salsa. Right, so fucking hate. Yeah, man, yeah. Really, really. <laughs> it is the worst thing that they can, you know, ingest. Um, on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. and welcome back to the food scene on heritage radio dot org i'm your host michael harlan turkel here again with adam rubin and daniel salmeri we're going to talk about secret pizza party um i never have secret pizza parties mine are always very open i'm a very overt <laughs> pizza lover <laughs> and i feel terrible for this raccoon who has to you know pull so many ruses just to enjoy something that he should be able to enjoy with others yeah um, Again, dragons love tacos. Secret pizza party. Why these specific animals and why these specific foods?
3: And I don't have a good, <laughs> I don't have a good answer for that. Except that I think both of us love snacks, and yeah. pizza and tacos are definitely towards the top of the list snack wise. For I think even, not just for us, but maybe just general public, general public snack interest. <laughs> I you,
2: you took polls about snack interest we're and, doing a lot of yeah.
3: demo testing um, <laughs> s- <laughs> snack related testing yeah if you get any robocalls they're probably about that but
2: when you decide on the concept i mean what comes first the character um or the kind of illustration
1: i think adam comes up with the name of yeah, the book first that's almost always the yeah. first thing is the title of the book
3: yeah and if the title sticks with me and sort of rattles around in there for a while it starts to take form in a, in a story a bit and i often write the story a couple different ways even with the same title there'll be a couple different stories like secret pizza party did, did not start out with a raccoon uh as the main character so when that happened it kind of helped the shape the ending and and the costume parties and just kind of fit in with that idea dragons love tacos was always about dragons because it's right in the title
2: yeah yeah. <laughs> did, they, did they always love tacos? Or did you have iterations of those food items?
3: There was a whole... The the original, the very original version of the book was a whole list of all sorts of mythical creatures and the things that they enjoyed and what the problems yeah. were with those things.
2: I was actually thinking about this the other day, and unicorns may either like or dislike bagels
3: and yeah. or donuts because... Yeah, I think that's what it was, with donuts. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they get stuck on the horn. Yeah. Yeah, big problem. But it's also a great way to transport that food, too. Yeah. That's true, too. I went to a bagel place recently. They served all the bagels on a dowel. Yeah. And you get it just comes to the table like a Brazilian truscaria like stacked <laughs> up. Uh, but normally it's the, it's the title first, and then Dan and I have really... We've collaborated now on seven books, and we've known each other for ten years, and so it's become a really fluid process, but generally... It's something, we, we talk about the ideas. We talk about the kind of the beginnings of that that work that we're trying to create, whether it's the draft or it's the illustrations. And then at some point, we kind of lock ourselves off and finish a good chunk of that work, and then come back and share it with each other. So it's, I think it's been really, it's been really lucky. Coming from advertising and from theater, I've done a lot of collaboration with a lot of different people, and it's rare that you have such a fruitful professional relationship, and then also you really enjoy hanging out together. So we've been really lucky that way because
1: it makes the book tours a lot less lonesome. Yeah. Let me switch off from, you know, I'll go three months on top bunk and then, then, you know, he'll get to be on top, on the top bunk. Uh,
2: I thought you were going to say you're going to switch off duties like, Adam was going to be the illustrator for the oh next God. book,
3: yes. <laughs> and just just see what happens Maybe, there. Yeah, I got to start. I got to really practice drawing. Should quite I a hang
1: bit. up the, uh, the the bunk bed joke?
3: <laughs> no, I, th- I like the bunk oh, bed okay. joke. Okay, yeah, bunk beds are great. Okay. Tandem um, bicycles, ooh, rowboats. Yeah, yeah. The motorcycle
2: with the little sidecar. Yeah, yeah. Ah. But you got to fight over who drives. Yeah, so. <laughs>
1: we just switch back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. You
2: know, so sharing, Robo Sauce was so transformative. In not only uh, the kind of concept of the book, but also the function of the book itself, because it's as closely based in the real world um, as, you know, those darn squirrels was.
3: Yeah. uh, Yeah, RoboSauce was—we're really proud of RoboSauce. It's a pretty out-there book, and we're really excited that it's real and that somebody made it and that we got to make it. (laughs) Yeah. So— the story is about this kid that wants to be robot he really loves dressing up like a robot but ultimately he would love to be a real robot and the narrator teaches him this secret formula for a potion that turns him into a real robot he kind of goes on a rampage and takes over the town and then takes over the book and then the book itself turns into a robot
2: plexico powder yeah
3: plexico plexico Plexico,
2: yeah um magnatunda, a yeah. pinch of that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then there were four cups of tumbleberries, yeah. sprig of sparkenfarfrel. Yep, sparkenfarfrel. Um, yeah, uh, you guys have this stuff in your pantry, <laughs> I'm assuming.
3: You gotta go to a, a pretty good farmer's market to find all of it out yeah. of season, but it's a, it, this, the tumbleberries is actually lifted from the squirrel's books. Yeah. That's one of the things that so the birds eat in the, in the squirrel's books. But that was one of the most fun parts, for sure, was writing all the ingredients in the list, and then Working together to kind of, when we made the video, we had to figure out what could stand in. We made a little, like, uh, cooking video. Oh, I've seen. To to promote the book, <laughs> and we had to go to this. We went, like, to Chinatown and to mm-hmm. all these random places to try to find yeah. weird... I think I saw a dragon
2: fruit in Definitely, the video. Definitely, there
1: did. was a dragon fruit. Yeah. yeah. For sure.
2: um, what was that one sprig? The the sprig of Spark and Farfel.
1: That was, you... That, that was like a. I think it was like flowers. It was like yeah, dried it was flowers, flowers yeah. or something. It was a flower. Yeah.
2: I mean, again, you must have had so much fun creating this recipe, but it also shows that you have an understanding of building a recipe or the culinary arts, because <laughs> or at least can poke fun at it because the tumbleberries are peeled and smashed. Nice yeah. tie-in, um, you know, and the baronet balls <laughs> staying on top, yeah, or the baronet balls are scrubbed. Yeah, um, I don't know if you guys are fans of Food Network and Chopped and yeah. kind of see the kind of uh, you know idiosyncratic ways that people talk about
3: those. Totally yeah i I read a lot of recipes to find the little qualifiers that seemed funny and lifted some of those yeah. for the for the book for sure
2: yeah it made me think of orange food too because the concoction yep. is strikingly i don't i 've never seen an orange like this actually
1: well um we actually weren't sure what color the the sauce was going to be that wasn 't like figured out until um, we went into penguin to to look at um We were either going to do neon, we were either going to do metallic printing on the interior of the book, or we were going to do a neon fifth color. Um, And we went into the office and uh, looked at all of the swatches of their neon um, inks that they had available. And, you know, we were thinking green, but that might have been too much like that Nickelodeon. uh, Oh, yeah. You can't do that on television, yeah. Yeah. and uh, we were thinking maybe it was blue. But once I saw the, the sheet of, of their neon inks that were available, the orange just jumped out. It was the one that was, like, uh, screaming. Yeah, yeah. And that was the one that we took. So that's the reason why it's orange. Yeah, And, yeah. and uh, it worked with a lot of, like, I put it on black a lot in the book. So it really jumps off. And, um, yeah, I, I think that that's why all those ingredients mixed together for orange yeah that's why they make it orange (laughs) yeah because it was the coolest looking color (laughs) yeah
2: i mean it is it's again you don't see many like blue you don't see many blue foods Mm. and when Mm. you do it just jumps out at you in this way but there's also this sense of caution with the orange too that Mm. you know this is a cautionary tale yeah um that if you go ahead and you know make this robo sauce you got to be a robot you got to be you got to be okay with that
3: yeah yeah Yeah,
1: it's... uh, There's a warning on the... There is a warning right on the cover of the book. Warning this book turns into a robot. Yeah,
3: we really had... I think this was the book where we we had built in enough time for ourselves to really worry about the details. And so we were involved with Penguin on all the little design touches, especially because it has that paper engineering piece of it that had never been done before. And we really wanted it to be as, as beautiful as possible and as clear as possible and penguin was so great about collaborating with us on that even though i'm sure we were being pretty persnickety about yeah, about picky. certain things yeah, but word. i could say that down to the last minute right before we sent off the files to china we were in the office kind of like just making sure everything looked as good as possible and we're super proud of the way it turned out
2: can you guys say the catchphrase uh together in harmony right
3: now you might yes. blow out your microphone yeah do it flash, flash. Bang. bang boom
2: thank you how many times have you had to do that in public
3: quite a few yeah
2: <laughs> <Quite> a few. <laughs> well few. i appreciate that you did it for us um <laughs> i'm always so excited to ask the question what are you working on next mm. and you guys kind of tipped me that there is another kind of food related children's book yeah. in the wing. So are you allowed to tell us anything about it
1: I don't know if we're loud, but we should just talk about it. We're (laughs) going (laughs) to. We're doing uh, Dragons Love Tacos 2, the sequel. Yeah, and that's
3: the title, is Dragons Love Tacos 2, colon, the sequel. Yeah. And we were really trying to think of a way to make it fun... To make a second book because it's not exactly like there's a cliffhanger ending or you're really wondering how these characters continue to develop or anything. It was wrapped
1: up pretty nicely in (laughs) the first book. Yeah. yeah. There was some good closure there. Yeah.
3: Uh, Let's reopen it. So we, but people really wanted to more, they wanted more dragons, and it's certainly been uh, beyond our wildest expectations as far as how popular it's become. They're making a stuffed animal, they got pajamas with dragons and tacos on it. Sometimes we'll walk through the airport and you see the book and it's like in the bookstore in the airport and they don't even have that many books there. So it's been really just profoundly satisfying and, and surprising that it's caught on like it has. So we were we felt the pressure to kind of make another one and, and I think we've figured out a good way to make one that we are happy with and we don't feel like we've just done it because market forces were Yeah, at work.
2: I mean, I only hope with this book that – uh, your publisher gave you enough in advance that you can go make a sojourn to like Oaxaca and Mexico City <laughs> and Study the regional
3: cuisines well, of that country You know, I was living in Chicago when I wrote Dragon's Love Tacos and when Dan sent back some of the first art I was like, oh man, these are gringo tacos. <laughs> like these are crunchy tortilla tacos. Yeah, and that was a choice Yeah, because and it turns out most people in America at least that's what kind of what they think of especially kids that's I what they think of. I know I
1: grew up on that I grew up on crunchy shell tacos. Yes. Yeah, a
2: lot of us did. It, but, you know, it's funny to note in Chicago with Rick Bayless being there that Mexican food has always been at, like, the forefront or that that yeah. type of educated cuisine. Mean, it's Rick cuisine. Bayless.
3: I mean, it's just there's a huge Mexican population in Chicago, and it sort of serves the function of pizza in New York where there's all these little hole-in-the-wall places and which one has the best tacos and lengua and cabeza and all this stuff. So it's just much more prevalent there. The, the Mexican food and tacos in general. So I was certainly in my head while while I was working on the project.
1: Also did you know, did Crunchy Shell tacos hold together much better? I, I feel <laughs> like <laughs> You know, if There are piles of tacos in that Plus book. Like, it would just be yeah. a mess. They'd yeah. be all over the place. Oh, that's true. Oh, they're just open-faced. Oh, man. You can't pile just, them up like stuffing that. Stuffing would be everywhere.
2: No, really. I, I like that you're thinking about the logistics of right. catering this Dragon Party. It was really a structural really, yeah, yeah. you know,
1: It's the physics of, of the yeah. tacos that i most concerned How do
2: you guys about. feel about being in the same vein as you know dr seuss green eggs and ham um eric carl's a hungry caterpillar i don't think think, how
3: do you you feel about being in the same vein as howard stern yeah you know oh it's
2: great i'm you know i keep the seat open for a baba booey right right i mean
3: (laughs) we are in the same vein as them because we made picture books but i wouldn't (laughs) say that our books are in the same pantheon as some of those classics i mean Uh,
2: when i give a collection to to you know A friend's child, or or even my grandson, not grandson, my godson. Yeah. Um, You know, I'll give him Mori Sendak's in The Midnight Kitchen. Yeah. But they want more of Dragon Loves Tacos.
3: That's really nice to hear, but I think we. we, (laughs) Those (laughs) books are are, are like 30. Yeah, those books are 30 years old. (laughs) Yeah. If if in 2046 people are still reading Dragon Loves Tacos, then maybe we can talk about it. Well,
2: maybe they won't be, but at least they'll be reading the sequel. (laughs) 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 Thank you, guys. And. If you don't know about RoboSauce, go to robo-sauce.com and check out this, I mean, really amazing transformative you know, book. And make sure you have, what, a pint of electric boogaloo and <laughs> uh, yeah. a pinch of magnetunda. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to, in case if you want to turn yourself into a robot. But Adam... <laughs> Dan, thanks so much for being on The Food Scene. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Food Scene on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. A big thank you to ICC, Music by Cookies, and Liz as Engineer, as always. Thanks again.